Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. I love this series, and that is because a lot of people will take Scripture out of context, and then they will twist those Scriptures to make it say what they want it to say. And that's why we have a lot of stuff. Love like, Jesus never really said that, man. <laughs> you know? And that's what I love about this series, because we're bringing truth to you to, to weed out those lies between those, those lines that have been, been uh, made. And this, my message ties in really good with what Pastor Cade preached on last week, which was, uh, you know what Jesus didn't say about happiness, and I'm going to teach you about what Jesus didn't say about bad days, okay? Because we, we learned last week that the world tells you, you do you, you know, do whatever feels right. But that is actually really bad advice, uh, because we are called to be imitators of Christ, right? Which means we don't do what feels right but we do what the Word says is right because we know that the Word is absolute truth. So here are some things Jesus did not say about bad days, okay? If you follow me, you will never oversleep and you will wake up feeling refreshed. Huh? That would be awesome if he said that, wouldn't it? Yeah, but he never did. He said, whoever does the will of my Father can eat whatever they want and have a six-pack. Uh, hmm, that's not in there. I keep looking for it, though. <laughs> Seek ye the kingdom of heaven, you know, if you're in a good mood, and you'll get everything you want. Again, not Jesus. So these are things Jesus never said, and uh, so let's, let's get into this message here. Because actually in John 16, all right, Jesus tells us that we will have tribulation in this world. Troubles are going to come. He says that. It's how you react to these troubles that actually determine whether or not you have a bad day. So before we get started, though, I just want to briefly touch on why bad things happen. Because I think this can trip so many people up. It stops people from trusting in God. It actually stops people from believing in God because they don't understand what's going in the world. Like, how can this happen? Like this whole coronavirus stuff, how? How can a good God allow this to happen to his people? Because people get confused with the sovereignty of God. Uh, they think if God doesn't even cause it, that, that he will he at least allow it to happen, right? Well, he's at least allowing it to happen, and that's not, that's not the truth. And I'm just going to tell you right now that God's perfect will in your life doesn't just automatically happen, okay? It takes effort on your part. I just want to, let's look at Peter 2, 3, 9 here real quick, and it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But we know every day people are perishing that have not repented and turned to God. But it's God's will that everybody be saved. So, you know, in fact, he loves us so much that he even paid for the people's sins that didn't uh, accept him. Was that my, was that that? Hmm. He even paid for the sin, people that are not going to believe on him. He already paid for their sins. They just chose not to receive that gift. So just looking at this one verse, we can see that God's perfect will doesn't just automatically happen in our lives. God created man for relationship. He wanted a people to choose to love him, right? Love is impossible if there's no choice. It's impossible. He wasn't looking for like programmed people like a bunch of robots. 
that he could just program to love him. We had to have a free will. That's the way we were. he created us. And then when he created us, he gave us dominion over this earth, right? Almost like a land lease he gave to us for this earth. And when Adam and Eve were deceived and they listened to the devil, they elevated the devil's word, what he was saying over what God had said, and they gave some of the uh, authority over to Satan, right? So these are the main reasons why bad things happen. Uh, in fact, it was probably like a year and a half ago, I actually taught on why bad things happen. So if this is an area that you struggle with, just come see me because I really like talking about this subject, honestly. And I can get you a, a whole lot more information. I get you that last message that I preached on why bad things happen because I know that trips a lot of people up. But uh, so now we're living in this fallen world. We've handed some authority over to Satan. But thank God for Jesus, amen. Because he came and he bought us back with a great price. He restored the authority that was taken. But we are still in a fallen world and we still live in these bodies, right? These temporary bodies. And we still have free will. So not only can bad things happen, they are going to happen. But the difference is that we can trust in Jesus and he can equip us with uh, his word to combat any, any attack from the devil. Amen? Awesome. So we're going to go back to John 16 now. And this is where Jesus tells us that we will suffer tribulation. John 16, 1. These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them and the things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So this is Jesus right before his crucifixion, right? Uh, and he was telling his disciples that people were going to try to go and kill him. And I mean, luckily, we don't have that kind of per persecution here in America. But uh, he was also said that he was telling them that ahead of time that these things would happen so they wouldn't doubt. So when these things arise, like, so, like there were literally people were trying to kill them for preaching the gospel. And he's telling them, this is going to happen. Just don't doubt, right? He was encouraging them. And if, I, if you continue to read through this chapter... You will see that Jesus was even telling him, I'm, I'm leaving. Look, they're gonna, I'm going to leave. They're going to try to kill you, but I'm sending the comforter. It's better for you that I leave because I'm going to send you one who will, who's going to be your guide. He's going to be your helper. He's going to be your comforter, okay? So I want to encourage you to just read through this whole chapter and just meditate on what God is saying. But uh, we're going to go ahead and continue to the last verse in this chapter, which is John 16, 33. And, uh, yeah, this is where your message notes will start there if you're taking notes. And these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Mm. So this is awesome, because Jesus is telling us that in the world we will have problems. So if you have problems, you're not doing anything wrong. Jesus said that we were going <laughs> to have those problems. Uh, but don't worry, because he has overcome the world. So do you trust Jesus? Just trashed. Yeah. This. No, I got you. I'll just leave that on then. There we go. Are we good? Yeah. Boom. So do you trust Jesus is, is basically the question. So Jesus didn't promise us that we would never have bad days. He promised us a comforter. He didn't say nothing bad would ever happen. He said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So what does this mean? It means that we can rejoice even in hard times. 
You know, Jesus is telling us that no matter what happens, to be of good cheer, because he has overcome the world. And since he has made his home on the inside of us, that means that you have overcome the world, and we are all overcomers in Christ. Amen? So now let's look at what Paul has to say in Philippians 4.11. says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Notice how Paul said he had to learn. He had to learn to be content. It doesn't come naturally. Okay, I wish it did, but it doesn't. We have to be diligent with our pursuit of God and His Word. Amen? Did you know that Paul wrote this when he was in prison? Four of the books in the New Testament were written by Paul while he was in prison. Mm. I guess he had a lot of time on his hands, huh? (laughs) Seriously, though, he was in prison, and uh, he's telling us that he is perfectly content. But he had to learn this, and he did it by meditating on the things of God. Okay, Paul continues with this following statement, I can do some things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that right? <laughs> That's not right, is it? For I could do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Or if you have the New King James Version memorizes, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Paul said he could do all things through Christ. So he could keep a good attitude no matter the circumstances. So it's not my circumstances, it's my attitude. If you're taking notes, that's your first fill in there. It's my attitude. Sometimes we cannot change our circumstances, but we can change our attitude. So how do we do that? How do we change our attitude? How do we trust Jesus to give us strength? And Paul actually gave us the answers in the previous verse. Isn't that awesome? He gives you the answer right before the question. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Remember, we know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So this means that we'll have peace when we think on godly things. This is part of changing the way we think by the renewing of our mind. It's not only reading the word, but it's thinking on godly thoughts throughout your whole day. We need to learn to magnify God and His Word more than our circumstances. Because the Word should be more real to us than our circumstances. You know, if this was true in our lives, then we could always be of good cheer. You know, I run a small business, and uh, I have a customer that owes me quite a bit of money. And I'm pretty sure they don't plan on paying me because their invoices are over six months past due. And they're not answering my phone calls or returning them. So pretty sure they're not planning on paying me. But even though they have essentially stolen from me money that I could really use right now, uh, I have the choice to be of good cheer or to not be of good cheer. Amen? And honestly, it doesn't bother me at all. And it's because I trust God and I trust his word. Because, you know, first of all, a lot of us think that most of our problems stem from people. Like if you told me your issues right now, I guarantee you most of them, would be traced back to a person, right? We get angry with people for things they do or they don't do, like not paying me the money they owe me for services rendered, right? Hmm. But the main scripture that God has written on my heart for people 
is for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Which brings us to your next note there. My fight is not against people. It's against hell. Okay? I do not get angry with people because my fight is with the devil. It is his influence that has caused people to act in a way that hurt me. Right? This single scripture has seriously set me free from being upset with people. I just, I just don't. Especially the people that don't know Jesus. I mean, how do you expect those people to act? They are children of their father, the devil. I mean, they're not going to act like you want them to. Mm. So I hold no negative thoughts against this person who hasn't paid me, okay? But now you might be saying, well, what about the money? Don't you worry about the money? Don't you, don't you need it? And yeah, I could really use it right about now. But what does the word say? Okay, so let's look back in Philippians 4. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. God is my provider. Right? I do not rely on man to provide for me. That would be really disappointing if I did. So if you're trusting God to provide for you and you're standing on a scripture like this, I do want to encourage you. Do not just read that scripture. Go through it and read what Paul was telling the Philippian church in this whole book, okay? Make sure you read through, especially that whole chapter, because there's, there's stuff before and after that. Sometimes we like to pick these scriptures out and then not read before and after that scripture, and you don't know what you're standing on. Your faith, you're, you have faith in something that you haven't completely rooted yourself into. So, uh, and then the, the book of Proverbs also tells me that the thief must restore sevenfold of what he stole, right? So I know my battle is not against people. I know that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But my God says that I now have to be repaid sevenfold. So, you know, I look at it as a supernatural investment. If this pe- person doesn't pay me, then I'm looking for my sevenfold return because that's what the Word tells me that I have. But in order for the Word to work in your life, you have to hold more value on the Word than you do on your circumstances and what your experiences say. It has to be more real to you than this physical world. Hmm. And we can see this in, in action in the Bible. I'm going to show you. When Jesus and Peter walk on the water, let's read through that story. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. Keep a good attitude, is what he was saying. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, a lot of us like to say, oh, well, Peter sank because he had little faith. But that's not what this, that's not what this says. There's a lot to be learned from the story. I love the story. But you notice how Peter had little faith, yet he was still able to walk on the water? It took little faith. He had little faith, yet he still walked on the water. Who else has walked on water in here? <laughs> I know I haven't. But what, that's what you can do with just little faith. 
So it was not the lack of faith that made him sink, but it was the doubt that crept in. Doubt actively fights against faith. Peter walked on the water with little faith. So what made him doubt? He stopped looking at Jesus. That's what he did. He focused on his surroundings, on his circumstances. He began to think that the waves were more powerful than his Savior. Why? That's where his focus was. Okay, we need to stay focused on Jesus no matter what life throws at us. Mm. That's your next note. Keep your eyes on Jesus and not your problems. Because without Jesus, those waves were a huge problem for Peter. I mean, he wouldn't have had any hope whatsoever out there in the middle of the ocean in a storm. There was, there was no chance. So did, but did you also notice that Peter's problem, the wind and the waves, those were self-inflicted? Because he said, hey, Jesus, let me come out there to you. He asked to come out there, right? So sometimes we think that we put ourselves in a bad situation, that God's not going to help us get out. I'm, I'm not telling you to get yourself in a bad situation. I'm just telling you, stay focused on him, okay? And because uh, we go back to the word happy, too. Everyone always says they want to be happy. But we know happiness has the root word of happen, which means certain things have to be happening for you to be happy. But joy comes from the inside. Joy comes from when we magnify God over our circumstances. Joy comes when we praise God through the storm. Joy comes because we know that we are never meant for this world anyway. So since joy comes from the inside, we have to be intentional with what we put on the inside. Amen? There has to be intentionality there. So are you reading the Word daily? Are your thoughts only on things that are true and honorable and right, pure, lovely, and admirable? Or do negative thoughts occupy your brain space most of the time? It's so important for us as the body of Christ to do these things. The word is so important because your joy is not going to be filled enough on Sunday. You're not going to come here, get your joy filled, and be able to make it the rest of the week. It's not going to happen. You need the word. What do you think you would look like if you only ate on Sunday? One meal. One meal on Sunday. That's all you ate. You'd be pretty scrawny, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But uh, the word is more vital than food, yet we treat it like we can get our fill once a week. And then we wonder, why is the word not working in my life? <laughs> and you got one meal that week. The reason I'm stressing the word so much is because that is what real change is going to happen. And I know as a Christian it can be hard sometimes because we know we should be joyful. We know we're supposed to be joyful. So we put on a front. You know, we smile. We say, I am blessed and highly favored even though on the inside everything is falling apart. But since we feel this obligation to be joyful, we try to fake it until we make it, and it is not sustainable, okay? So let me be clear, you cannot fake it until you make it. You can fake it, but you are never going to make it all the ways, and you're, you're, you're going to get burned out, I'm telling you. And it's not what God has intended for you anyway. He doesn't want you to fake it. He wants you to be full of joy. That's what he wants for you. You know, some of you are probably thinking, that sounds great, but how do I actually do that? So let's go back to Galatians and see what Paul was telling them. He said, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Well, let's ask the question, why would we grow weary? Why would you grow weary of doing good? Your spirit man is made new. 
He's perfect. He's in God's rest. He's not going to grow weary. So why would you grow weary? It's because the, battles are in your, the battle is in your thoughts. Have you been taking in the word as food? Have you been taking it in as nourishment? Because you won't grow weary if you have. You have to take care of yourself because you are doing it. When you try to fake it, you're doing it out of the flesh. And it's not from an overflow of what you've put in. And true joy will come from an overflow of the heart. Once we have this overflow, then your bad day will not matter, okay? Because you can rejoice just like Paul did while he was in prison. You know, it's actually kind of funny when you think about our problems compared to what Paul's were. You know, and he remained cheerful. Like, who hates Monday mornings? Like, that seems to be, like, a huge problem. You know, everyone's like, oh, I just hate Monday. You think about it on Sunday before you go to bed? Like, that's what occupies your thoughts. Oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. And then you wake up, and you don't want to roll out of bed. Your eyes open, and you're like, oh, it's Monday. But you can change the way you think, because you should be... God doesn't... He's not just telling you to be joyful. It's not like, well, you should be joyful, so you should feel bad if you're not. He's saying, I want you to be joyful. I want you to be full of joy. I mean, nobody likes feeling bad. <laughs> so instead, think on good things. I mean, you can, I mean, you can say, thank God I have a job. A lot of people don't have jobs, right? But praise your Lord... I mean, you can just say, praise the Lord that I am redeemed, that you are my Savior. You can just think on, on good thoughts like that. Thank God the enemy is defeated. Thank God I'm going to have a good day today. There's so much you can do. You know, we encounter all sorts of daily irritations, too, like traffic. I mean, I get irritated in traffic, right? I'm sure there's more people out there, but I won't ask you to raise your hand. Uh, difficult coworkers and bosses. Most of us have uh, these type of people we have to deal with. And all these, remember, have to do with people. And remember, again, that we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against the devil. So get a few scriptures memorized and use them to shift your focus when you begin to have a bad day. Because that's going to change your attitude, and you're not going to have a bad day anymore. You're going to have a good day. Why? Because it's your attitude. Because Jesus never said you want to have these bad days. But he did say when adversity comes our way, we should be of good cheer. In fact, I want to talk to you about how we can actually have strength and rejoice in times of adversity, Uh, because this is what Jesus spoke to the Apostle Paul. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So the word strength and the word power, the two highlighted in here, is actually the same word in the Greek. They're just one is translated strength, one is translated power, and it means supernatural, miraculous power. This word is usually used in the Greek to implicate a miracle itself. So you can read it this way: You can say, "And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my miraculous power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the miraculous power of Christ may rest upon me." So this means in times of weakness. His supernatural, miraculous power will be made perfect. So if you start to feel weak or powerless over a situation of circumstances in your, in your life, good, rejoice about it. Because that's when his supernatural, miraculous power is getting ready to come to life, okay? And, uh, and that's what Paul did. And he said, I will gladly boast in my infirmities. And that word infirmities here doesn't mean sickness. Sometimes we confuse that with sickness. That just means weakness. So he's just saying, I will boast in my weakness. So just like we learned last week, we cannot live the life that God has called us by conforming to this world and by its wisdom. We have to live from the inside out. 
So here are three final things to help you live from the inside out. How to make it and not fake it. Number one, I will be aware of my thoughts. Okay, When you have negative thoughts, immediately take them captive and think on good things. This takes practice, but it is doable. It is doable. 2 Corinthians 10 tells us, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, of pulling down strongholds. Again, telling us our battle is not against flesh and blood. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Feelings will always follow your thoughts. Okay? Feelings will always follow your thoughts. Remember, we cannot fake it until we make it. So when you take captive negative thoughts and focus on the positive, you are not faking it, but you are standing on the truth. So when you make the choice to do this, your emotions are going to follow your thoughts. And it's not immediate. That's why you have to keep doing it daily. Number two, I will continually praise God. Amen. Mm. Let's look in Psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The word tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. So what do we find if we continually praise God? What do we find in God's presence? Psalm 16. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In order to have this fullness of joy in our lives, we have to put God first. And a good way to remind us of who God is is by praising Him. You know, God said He'd never leave us nor forsake us. So if you're lacking that feeling of relationship with God, it's you that have been withdrawn. It's not the other way around. He will never leave you. So when you feel this way, just begin to praise God. You know, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. There is no name above your name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. I'm telling you, this will turn your day around because you are reminding of yourself. Who, you're a child of God, and you're reminding yourself of that. Who, who is your God? Do you trust your God? Mm. And doing this is renewing your mind because you're reminding yourself of who God really is. So let's look at what happens when we choose to praise God through that storm. Because this is what Paul and Silas did while they were in prison. It's Acts 16.25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. This is such a powerful story of the effects of praise. You know, Paul and Silas had just been beaten and thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, okay? Sometimes I wonder if I, what I would do in the situation. Don't you think you'd be like, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this? <laughs> maybe I'm not in God's will because I just got beat and thrown in prison. Maybe I missed God, you know? But So I'm sure that negative thoughts try to come their way, but I guarantee you they took those negative thoughts captive really fast, and they did not focus on them, and they began to praise their God because they knew who, who he was. When you focus on God, it's like a magnifying glass, okay? He gets bigger, and your problems shrink. They fade away. Just like if Peter kept his eyes fixed on Jesus in his circumstances, he would have been able to walk to Jesus, and they both would have walked back to the boat. And by the way, during this story, those prison doors were even open. All the prisoners' doors were open, and nobody left the prison. 
not even the other prisoners. And there's just a couple things. Again, this story, there's so much to learn from this story. I just have time to mention a couple of them. And it's even though I believe Paul and Silas knew that praise could be a powerful weapon, uh, they, didn't, they didn't leave. They didn't leave when they could have. And that shows that they were praising God because they loved him and not because they were trying to get something from him. Mm. Second, when we see people, when, when people see what you have, they will desire to have it because not one prisoner left that jail. Why wouldn't they leave? Because they knew that there was two men right next to them that had something and they wanted it. So as a result, the jailer and his whole household were saved. Okay? Number three, we're going to count it all as joy. James tells us in James 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay? We saw Paul and Silas live this out. They counted it all as joy, and it produced patience, because they had the patience to trust God and stick around in that jail cell, even though they could have been freed. Okay? And because they did this, because they stuck around, God's perfect work was accomplished, and there was a whole family that was saved because of this. Mm. Then Jesus tells us in John 15, he says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said if we could keep his commandments, we abide in his love, right? We are to love God and love people. That's as simple as it is. That's our commandment. And the world tells us that Jesus loved us while we were still yet sinners. So it's not this obedience that makes God love you, okay? It's when we truly fall in love with him that we fall into obedience. And once this becomes real in our lives, then Jesus said his joy could remain in us, his joy. So our joy could remain full. What is his joy? You ever wondered that? What's, what's Jesus' joy? Hebrews 12.2 tells us that looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So his joy was seeing the things that were set before him. So before Jesus came to the earth, uh, what, what was he lacking? What didn't he have? He was already seated in heavenly places. He was already with the Father. He already had everything that he could want. The only thing he didn't have was us, you and me, okay? Jesus was full of joy because of you. Jesus went to the cross. He could endure the cross because he focused on the spoils of his victory, which is you. Now, if that does not bring you joy, I, mean, I don't know what else will. I mean, that's just amazing to me. If you seriously just think about how Jesus was able to do that and how he got through it was thinking about us, a people, a people to call his own. So we have a choice to make today. It's a choice we have to make daily to live like the rest of the world, focused on our problems, finding temporary relief in the things the world has to offer or by consuming the word of God daily 
and seeing the fruit of it come alive in our lives as God changes the way that we think, which will in turn stabilize your emotions. Amen. This is a key part of our No Limits life in Jesus. And we are going to make it. I'm telling you today, we're going to make it. We're not going to fake it. So be of good cheer and choose to stay focused on God. Amen? Amen. Well, that's all I got for you today. But before I hand it back over, I would really like to pray over us. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you that today is a good day for a good day. I thank you that your word gets planted in our hearts, Father God. I thank you, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as we read it, that we can stand in joy through all circumstances because we're not relying on ourselves to produce this joy, but we are relying on you. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. I thank you for this powerful message, especially in this time when people are worried about, say, the coronavirus or maybe the political atmosphere that's going on right now. I thank you, Father God, that you bring peace that goes beyond understanding. I thank you that you have given us everything we need in your word, and you have already provided those needs before there was ever a need. You provided before there was a need. I thank you that that provision is always there. I thank you. Now, if you're here today, and you have been living a life without this joy that comes from the inside. Today is the day you can receive it. If you have not made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, today is the day. There is no time to waste. If that is you, I just ask everyone to keep their heads bowed. I'll be the only one looking. I just want you to raise your hand and say, yes, that is me. I'm ready to make that decision today to live for Christ. So now that you've made that decision in your heart, we are going to pray together with you as a church. So if you just repeat after me, Jesus, I'm ready to make you Lord and Savior of my life. I'm ready to be filled with your joy and peace. I want to live my life for you. I give you all that I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you accepted Christ in your heart today for the very first time, come see me after service because I want to hear about it. I'll have next steps for you to take so you can start to live your no-limits life in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.